The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Sarah Becker. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Ben Haworth, and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. This time we have a TV Gang Podcast. As we are talking about another HBO show, we only really talk about HBO shows. Because HBO and Netflix are the only people who make shows people want to talk about these days. <laughs> but uh, they have the money. We need the money to make the good shows. And this one is, uh, definitely has some money. It's a BBC slash HBO production called His Narc Materials, based on the same series of books by, uh, sorry, the series of books with the same name by philip pullman which used to be a trilogy and now will be a septology how do you what six books called that's a good question because i want to say sexology but i feel like that's a different word that has an entirely different meaning and sexology is the show i pitched to netflix coming in march <laughs> hey hey jokes <laughs> um so we should first start off that uh, to say that uh, i think we're we may have a mix of people who've consumed the books or not uh we'll try not to spoil anything from the future books as best we can me and sarah will try not to but no no guarantees um but oh i have also read the books actually yeah i was about to say so we uh i think we've all read the books then that sounds like trevor i don't think i realized that you had well i I forgot that you had since it's been i guess you were kind of asking me anyway kind of what my general thoughts were uh i um I definitely read the first one by myself. And then as the Sun of Life went on, I kind of lost interest for a little bit and had to read them aloud to my brother in order to finish them, kind of. Gotcha. Um, and uh, like started over, I guess. So I think I've read The Golden Compass twice. Um, seen the 2007 movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might come up. And uh, recently, I just, since watching this, wanted to try and start reading them again. So uh, my memory is pretty hazy. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the trippy ass balls craziness things that happen in other yes. uh, spoilers universes. Not really a spoiler because they established that really quick in the show. Um, yeah. In later seasons and later books. So. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I have read four of them. The most recent one, which I don't remember the name of, that just came out. The like, Secret really Commonwealth. Over. The Secret Commonwealth. I've not gotten to yet. So I have, but I've read the, so to be clear, the, the series of books as they are right now are originally called in Britain, the Northern Lights, but most of us bloody Americans known as the Golden Compass, the Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass, which were released in the sort of early to mid 2000s. And he's just now doing sort of prequel books, which are La Belle Sauvage and the secret commonwealth and i don't think they've named he's named the next one yet and there are also a couple of um side books they're they're not even real they're long enough to be novels i would call them more sort of novellas called lyra's oxford which i think takes place shortly after the amber spyglass and once upon a time in the north which um sort of details how lee scoresby and york bernison originally met Um, I have read both of those, but only once each, and it's been a very long time. And I think there is one other one, but it may have been kind of, I I might be wrong with this, but it may have been loosely based on the film. I'm not sure. 
Uh, but it's like takes place from the perspective of the golden monkey or something. I don't know. But um, I guess I will segue into my history with the trilogy. I uh, was given the the golden compass as I think a birthday present or perhaps a Christmas present um, when I was in the fourth grade. So I was about 10 years old and I absolutely fell in love with it. I read the original trilogy every few years so and, and I've listened to them on audiobook as well. So I have probably consumed the first three books at least four times, if not more, probably more like five or six. Um, nice. I have also read La Belle Sauvage and The Secret Commonwealth, uh, but only once each. And I did kind of a reread of the original trilogy earlier this year. Well, actually, I guess I read all five uh, extant books this year at some point in preparation for the series coming out. So I I love this series. It is, without question, my favorite literary universe above Harry Potter, above Game of Thrones. So above Dune. Above Dune, although admittedly with Dune, I love the 2000 miniseries, but I have only read the book one time and I have not read any of the other novels in that series. So I'm like really invested in that one interpretation of Dune, uh, but know nothing else about the universe. Uh, With Dune, uh, I will say three great books and then Steep Cliff. (laughs) That's fair. And there are um, many, many Dune books. There are. Yes, and there are Dune heads who love everything about Dune. I'm yes. not one of those. But I am that. very excited for that podcast, and I will try to be on it when... Uh, yes. Is it, does it come out this year? I think it comes out this year, at the end of this year. Yes. Because yeah. it's the first part of... Yes, it comes out December 18th. Okay. So you have lots of time to rewatch Dune and Children of Dune, the miniseries, multiple mm-hmm. times. Children of Doom, good segue, has James McAvoy as the lead character. So (laughs) back into his dark materials. (laughs) Well, let me uh, first give you the details on the show, and then we'll get into our thoughts. So as we mentioned, this is based on the His Dark Materials books. Uh, The showrunner for this one is Jack Thorne and Philip Pullman himself. It stars Daphne Keene, Ruth Wilson, James McAvoy. Uh, Anne Marie Duff, Clark Peter, James Cosmo, a whole mess of other people. Lynn Manuel Miranda, of course. And the composer is Lauren Balf. There are eight episodes, and it is a co production between BBC uh, Bad Wolf, who do, of course, Doctor Who, and uh, New Line, and who owns the rights because of the first movie where they made, which actually bankrupted the studio because <laughs> it was such a flop, and HBO. So, of course, this, we all watch it as HBO, being our lovely Americans. So, Sarah, you're the biggest His Dark Material stan we got on this podcast for sure. So I think we need to start with you. What did you think overall of this show? Well, I certainly enjoyed it. Oh, and uh, but- sorry, one more thing. Just a quick mention. I'm so sorry. I just want to make it clear that this First season covers the first book, uh, The Golden Compass, yes. with a little bits of backstory from La Belle Sauvage, which uh, was interesting too. And uh, bits of the I. subtle knife as well. Actually. Or rather, I'll, and, yes, and, and yeah, and leads into subtle knife more than the book does. It sort of like gives backstory leading up to the beginning of the subtle knife, and then about the seventh or eighth episode, they actually hit the events that begin chapter one of the subtle knife. Yes, correct. So I'm, I'll shut up now. I promise, <laughs> Sarah. 
What did you think? I, I certainly enjoyed it more than the 2007 film, and I'm sure we will talk about that movie a little bit later in this podcast. Um, I I understand why they did the backstory with uh, Will Perry. I think that was a good decision for how um, viewers digest material, because it would not make cinematographical sense to just jump in at the beginning of season two with this boy and his mother who don't have demons they're in our universe and everybody going who the fuck are these people what's going on so that part all made sense to me um we'll get into this more a little bit later i wish they had done more about the deep connection between humans and their demons because trying to avoid spoilers as much as I can, there is a pretty big plot point that comes up in the Amber Spyglass that is not going to hit the same way at all mm. as it does in the books as if they continue to not address this connection as deeply. But I think the the casting was excellent. Ruth Wilson came out of fucking yes. nowhere and just stole the show for me above all other characters. And the demons look great. Uh, the bears look great. And um, it is an interpretation of the source material. It doesn't feel exactly the same, but they did a pretty good job. Yeah, um, I have to agree. And I actually would say that it's tough because I'm so used to the way that the books work. But to me, it was very shocking to find out that our world was going to play any part of this world. I was what? I think that's sorry. And I think that's something that is bungled in this first season, which is like, he just shows up in our world. Um, Sorry. I forget the character's name right now. Um, but the one I forget the character's name forth. too. I forget all those characters' names as well because they Lord don't Boreal, really, guys. They, Lord they Boreal, don't. Carlo Boreal, with the snake. Yes, the, yes, the snake guy. The snake yes, the snake guy. The snake guy. We can who, just call him Snake, snake guy. guy. Who who is who's annoyed by 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 modern trappings of society, like when there's a boot on his car, and it is funny. Ha. I don't know. I thought that I, I actually chuckled <laughs> I like when that, that happened. I, like I did that too. I, I did too. I think it was like one of the more part, sorry, just like I don't know if we're doing like individual takes still, but like I just I that part of me where where they're setting up the subtle knife works by the end of it because for them to go into the sky at the same time I think is very resonant and works very well. But yes. the whole time I am asking who the fuck is this guy? Why not not Lord Boreal, but his two henchmen in the world like there seems like one of them i thought he was a like a director cameo at first because i was just like so like what is the deal with this guy like the kind of skinny white pale guy that he's talking to the whole time who's like giving him information about our world and like working with him I'm like who are you why do you care what how do you fit into this and then he dies and i i don't remember from the books why who that person was or how that was and it's just we're cutting to these people without like any context Kind of. Actually, the that guy who dies by tripping over the cat and falling down the stairs. Yeah, that, that is yeah, that is a direct quotation from the subtle knife. But in the book, you don't really know who these people are or why they're stalking yeah. Will and his mother. So I thought it actually worked quite well in the TV series to establish them as Lord Boreal's henchmen. It gave them more context than they have in the books rather than just these creepers who are like in will's house for no reason 
and and that's the thing and that's where I, I i'm debating whether i like that they introduced will earlier or not because it's something that um some people i am one of the only people who like this but i think a lot of people don't which is the beginning of the game kingdom hearts 2 which notably you play the first game as this character called sora and you have this big adventure and you buy kingdom hearts 2 you're like so excited i love the first one what new disney characters am i going to see and then you play as this other character called roxas for the first several hours and you're like <laughs> what is happening who is this person what and then at the end of the prologue you figure out who roxas is and he actually relates to sora in an interesting way most people hate that opening <laughs> because they just want to fucking play as roxas and it only rarely works the first time i admit that if you ever want to replay that game you're like when where's the cheat button how do i skip where's the skip for the whole game part where's the dvd menu please um but i think it does work the first time and i think I, I do wonder what the alternate version is where episode one is just Will and everyone's watching going, what is this? Why are we in the modern world? Am I watching even the right show? And then you reveal, you know, Lyra and everything at the end. But I also understand, one, you kind of want to have Will on for all the show because, you know, they, you want to get a good actor and you want to get him used to the role and you want to get him like so that... Because we got to make sure that Will and Lyra work together on screen because spoiler alert it's important yeah <laughs> um that's not really, very very important it's not really a spoiler because there's that whole prophecy thing where like and the boy will have a connection with lyra and blah 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 and <laughs> blah 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 yeah. <laughs> blah 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 and things and stuff and prophecy schmophacy. so i'll just go ahead and give my um overall take on the show which is that i think it's uh fairly solid kind of interesting parts but mostly a little dry in some senses until i think the final episode where i think it does pick up a lot and makes me more hopeful for a, a season two um i think i'm such a fan of the material that i keep going no matter what but i don't know if i wasn't a fan if i would have been able to stick it out all the way not that it's bad it's just there's so much tv that anything less than totally exceptional stuff for me sometimes um, but uh, Trevor, we haven't heard much uh, from you yet. Uh, what, did, what did you think of this series? Um, my overall take is pretty similar to yours. I feel like I was never, I don't know, the, I, as far as the original source material goes, you know, I, I read his Dark Materials, the trilogy, uh, sort of eventually, mildly begrudgingly, and then I came back to it. It's like, oh yeah, they're they're epigrams from Paradise and Faust in here. This is this is kind of interesting. Like post post college, I was like, yeah, maybe maybe there's something to this. And then I just I still haven't reread it since then. But so I, the this this is um, this is kind of okay. I the first three episodes were not so great. As soon as bears and balloons show up, this show improves for me a hundred percent. I absolutely um, agree. <laughs> Episode we four were, was one kind of my of favorite episodes. That. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, kind of simply by by the end, by the last episode, I'm like, okay, I really want to see the rest of this. I want to see them not to do too many spoilers, but I really want to see them do like elephant trunk language in like parallel worlds eventually, you know, <laughs> and like how they do uh, invisible yes. angel people. Like, I really, really can't wait to see how they pull that off. More or less, I think this. What if there's something this suffers from for me? Uh, it's it's. Uh, maybe this kind of worry that people aren't going to get it and this this need to expand that universe get people interested in this world build that build that world which Pullman does you know uh maybe masterfully but very slowly 
uh, I think, in, in, in the books uh, in comparison with this, which hits you right out of the gate with this uh, this opening prologue that says, in this world, demons are this, this, this. And I, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Why, why, <laughs> why, why are you doing this? No one needs this. Scrolls. Scrolls need to be left in the 90s or they belong. Yeah. I totally agree. It's like, first Star Wars, now this. No, that was that's actually afterward. That's, that's completely different. Completely different problem. And the film essentially did the same thing, except instead of... New Line Cinema was basing it off of their success with The Lord of the Rings that had Galadriel's exposition at the beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, but they had Eva Green as Serafina Pecola talking about you know there are demons in this world and it is controlled <laughs> by the magisterium and had all these floating faces of people and stuff and oh. it was kind of weird so just, I, I, I do I think i prefer <laughs> the text to that kind of exposition I, I think there just is something weird about adapting something with this strong of world building that nobody can get right, sort of. Or at least, I mean, there's 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 very strong notes here. There are very great visual sequences, but I think they are just so worried that we're not going to get it and why it's so cool. And I'm just like, guys, don't worry. It speaks for itself. Just relax. <laughs> quit, if quit they did it right, it speaks for itself. Sorry. What'd you say, Sarah? I didn't hear you. Oh, just well, if, the... if they do a good job, then it speaks for itself. How maybe they weren't oh, sure. confident in their abilities. Like maybe we should clue them in on why all there's all these animals following people around. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, it, it's definitely the. I just need to mention this. Do you guys know who directed the first two episodes? Uh, a hint: He also directed one of the biggest, most critically bombed films of this year, or 2019. Oh, I know. I, I don't this up at some point. It's like trivia night all over again. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I'm not going to get it. It's uh, Tom Hooper who directed Cats. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but who has a very specific style that I hate with a passion. <laughs> He is a thing he does with his framing that drives me absolutely crazy. It's not too bad at this show, but it was like, why is the camera always moving in every shot? And thankfully, as soon as he was out of the director's chair by episode three, I was like, oh, thank God, it's just him. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a house style thing. Mm -hmm. Jesus, few. Mm -hmm. um, there are points of this show that I think are are frustrating as a book reader, just in terms of. Sometimes it's in terms of I can tell money, and sometimes it's in terms of I can tell just trouble with pacing sometimes, tell, and sometimes just trouble with tone, which is... Tell me more about the money. In terms of money, it's like... Yeah. In the money, I don't blame them, but, you know, it's obvious, like, there are not as many... The most obvious is just not as many demons as you want on screen. Like, they don't have a demon per person in every shot, mm -hmm. whereas the movie, I really felt like it did. Um, and the other thing for me is that, like, maybe it's just my interpretation, but I always viewed that when you were young, your demon was changing, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just, like, every couple of minutes, it was something new. And as much as I like cute, this is like a pine He's martin, a sto Well, the, the little white one is a stoat. And then in the first stoat. few episodes, he is a pine martin which is a larger dark brown mustelid he is that most of the time until like they get to the north and then from yes. then on he's either an arctic fox or a stoat and tiny little stoat pan is so cute but you're <laughs> right he has a total of like four forms and uh that's not 
correct <laughs> yes and, and in particular because like the first shot like they did a good job or right? it was constantly changing and like when she's running with uh with roger oh yeah his change from like a stoat to a bird was seamless i was just like oh yes. yeah i was really looking forward to more of that and and that was disappointment is salcilia anything ever like... anything else ever than a polecat like roger's demon never changes and it really no, bothers no, me and particularly, said, the demons were always the stuff I found the most interesting. Oh, of course, they're the, 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 the most. First they're the hook of the world. Like that's what. Yes. At least for me, as a you know a ten year old child who loved animals, I, will, I was like, I love this universe. I will always remember this part where they talk about how some people are born with aquatic demons, which means they are basically like essentially cursed to have to work. Well, they settle as the aquatic sea. demons. They settle as aquatic demons. Yes, when they become adults, and then. Um, they are basically forced to always live near a dock or work on the sea and it just like means like you're just kind of cursed I thought that was such a great metaphor for the way like yeah if you're raised by a fisherman family you're probably going to be cursed to be a fisherman your whole life whether you like it or not the demon settling aspect of this world has always disquieted me enormously i have never <laughs> it's, never it's quite fascinating ne- and weird i i do like it but i've never gotten over it. and i actually enjoyed the conversation that lyra gets to have with jo- uh, is it uh john fa no wait that's the um or um uh, fa- farter quorum farter quorum i think where she gets to talk to him about well did you ever want your demon to be something else he's like yeah sometimes but eh, you know it is what it is it's just it's very yeah yeah i like that being in there there are lots of nice moments with farter quorum in particular that i liked uh, them having time for yeah and and those settling can be quite nice i think my overall problem with the tone is that i need i needed a little more whimsy and a little more humor which thankfully you finally get when uh uh lee scoresbury shows up but uh, i was surprised like the elite theometer like i remember in the book when she finally can read the elite theometer it's just like wow like no one has ever done this kind of thing and they do try but it's just again she does it i think the first time to figure out that someone has died and it's like again bleak and dour and i think part of the shows for me is that it just had a very consistent tone it didn't have a lot of ups and downs like you said until we got to like bears and balloons it is um, very serious yeah when landrell miranda who i didn't i was worried if i would like that performance or not because he is himself but god does the show need that and uh he is is great i like his relationship with his demon that's that's one of the best ones probably um oh for sure yeah their 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 chemistry is great but i i agree with you and that the the show seems to be taking itself very seriously but i mean to be fair this is, you know, getting into the second two novels, uh, a very, very uh, pointed allegory, uh, to be fair. So that's not entirely disingenuous to the book. But uh, Mrs. Coulter is not exactly a point of levity, but the seriousness of that character in that performance, which I know a lot of people love, uh, is uh, another thing that's not doing it for me is there's no there's no warmth for me there, which is this kind of bewitching thing that happens for Lyra is like kind of maybe in this performance of femininity that she has never experienced before and then decides she does not want to be maybe i i don't i don't know it's just that is not there for me um it, it's just yes it is very dour and very serious m- m- most of the time I I, I I hear what you're saying about mrs coulter that was one of the charming is not quite the word but um bewitching i guess things about 
learning about her character and seeing her introduced by herself at first and then uh, from Lyra's perspective. Um, in the show, there's this whistling man with a fox demon who is coming and taking these children. And that's all well and good and creepy and whatever. But in the books, it is this nameless lady with a golden monkey. And this monkey just entrances these child demons like, come hither, I'll be your friend. I'll give you pets and scritches. Look at my mm-hmm. shiny golden fur. <laughs> and Mrs. Coulter is like, let me buy you a hot pie and we'll go have some hot chocolate. And, and it's just and so... Like, it it appears warm on the surface, yes, but it is so much more deeply sinister to me than the way it comes off in the show. Because she's not involved in... I mean, she she is, of course, involved in the adoption of children. She's in, in charge of the whole operation. But she's not directly involved as she well, they still have the that moment where she has them all write letters and then she burns them. Yeah, so th- that's that was good. Right, yeah. And that, but I get where they were coming say. from in the show to do that. It um, kept the reveal a little bit further off to have somebody else be the culprit for their taking children. Whereas in the books, you know right away, like this this golden monkey, ah, shit, it's that lady who's taking kids. Oh, God. Right, right. And uh, uh, I, I will say I think that the casting of Nicole Kidman in that sense is actually pretty good for the film because Nicole Kidman is good at that kind of ethereal beauty with a lot of menace behind it she's played a lot of kind of broken troubled characters while you know appearing normal that's kind of a thing she's done a couple times um I just think the film's problem is that it was in this age where well our a-list actors are in the movie and we gotta focus on them I know this is a movie about a kid but we got Daniel Craig (laughs) what's Daniel Craig up to Um, and that, that was, can't be bad. It's it's James Bond. You know? <laughs> and that was what made me so mad about the movie is I actually thought even, yes, they did use a bunch of A-list actors to get the names, but I thought on the whole they did very, very well. Like now I, I like Ruth Wilson's portrayal of Mrs. Coulter much better than Nicole Kidman's, but everyone else in the film did so well dakota blue richards was a fantastic lyra she was a little bit more of the or uh, to be fair this is much to do with the writing as well but she was able to be more of that little shit character that lyra just is in the books which makes her so charming and daphne keen is written to be more sort of like she's still definitely a strong girl a strong she character seems very but she's grown more up vulnerable already. yeah well, you, oh, well, that's interesting. Like, yeah, because well, you think she's more vulnerable. I think she's kind of like more grown up already in a way too. Like, she's very like she's like a little Arya almost versus like just a little stinker. Like, completely. I don't know. Maybe Arya isn't a good comparison eh. because I, I, I don't know. I, f- I feel like we're saying similar things in different ways. But um, we talked about Lin Manuel Miranda earlier. I was very pleasantly surprised by him because Sam Elliott is was so good he is well, exactly he is just a cowboy which is what an error yes. is in this universe so yes and he like is just choice. exactly as i pictured him from the books but uh something i've read online which i didn't really consider initially is lin manuel miranda is more sort of portraying lee as he has written in that sort of little novella i mentioned earlier once upon a time in the north when lee and yorick 
Bernison meet for the first time, that sort of mo- younger, sort of scrappy, roughhousing, I'm going to steal your wallet kind of guy is how he was then. And then by the time the Golden Compass happens, he's meant to have grown up and matured a little. And that was how Sam Elliott played him. Um, but yeah, the casting of the film was so good, but they just, it's like watching the series without having episode eight. Like just at the yeah, end, you, you, you have all of the content up through episode seven and then it stops. And they're just like, why? But all of the book fans are sitting here going, but but the, the climax of the book hasn't happened yet. Why did you stop? This doesn't make any sense. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been struggling to remember anything about that movie. And that is the thing that I remember. It's like, oh, oh, wait, we're, we're just not doing, oh, okay. Yeah, we're not just- Yeah, they, uh, well, right. first of all, they switched the plot points of um, Bullvanger and Svalbard just completely reverse them like before they go to Bullvanger with the child cutting and whatever they have the bear fight and then they go to Bullvanger and then the movie ends with Lyra and Roger and maybe Yorick I don't remember but definitely Lyra and Roger and Lee in the balloon quite literally flying off into the sunset and then it just ends with the credits and there's a really terrible song that plays I remember the lyrics are like lyra and her face full of grace it was like what oh, is happening wow. right now? oh I it mean, was bad it was i haven't watched that movie in near on a decade but i remember that song it haunts for me, me there are always bad songs at the ends of movies like but this one was extra that, bad uh, yeah that sounds pretty bad that sounds like inspired by the movie pop music bad yep i, I just wanted to say that uh I, I like this quote that the atlantic said when they were talking you know because when the the movie came out the there was a lot of issues going back and forth with like you know the religious rights and it's you know anti-religious and you know they they murder god which is really um but then uh, Chris White's the director came out and was like, "Well, we're going to have religion. We're going to talk about it as euphemistically, and it's not going to. It's going to more be implied." Mm-hmm. And the Atlantic wrote, which I I really like, with 180 million dollars at stake, the studio opted to kidnap the book's body and leave behind its soul, <laughs> which I thought was pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, a good line. Good and a good way of of, of discussing it, which is a. Uh, I think they maybe double down a bit on the religion here, just because they're they 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 know that was such a contentious element from book fans. Um, but it is nice to see here that it is openly dealing with that and and does a better job in general. I think of it's it's an interesting case study and in how much we've changed in ten years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really because, want to like, talk about that because I this feels I don't want to say less relevant, but because I wasn't a huge ass fan of the books to begin with, but I saw like that culture war kind of happening there. People compared it to Narnia and that was a thing, even though that's a children's book and this isn't, you know, like genre wise, it's probably not very like good comparison anyway. But like, I, I, I wonder if like, cause by no means are these issues not still relevant. I mean, organized religion and, and organized prejudice on behalf of religion is still very much a thing and still very much a social issue, but like maybe we've splintered so much that it's just, like it's not gonna change anyone's mind as one of I I don't know I don't know I, I thoughts I think please, that's thoughts. part of it I think it's also the case that like fame is different now like you look at again Daniel Craig he's acting like a big old goober in Knives Out like he doesn't give two craps about being James Bond like he's willing to be silly and things like this and Logan Lucky James McAvoy 
who is, you know, Professor X in the X-Men movies. He should be like this, like, guy who's worried about his image is willing to, you know, murder a kid on screen and be playing these roles. I think there is this change that has kind of happened in a, in a, a lot of different elements in comparing the two books and why I think it's a better time for this to come out than it did. Oh, so you think yeah, it's a better time for it to come out. And, yeah, just and let's not forget, 2007, we were still in the Bush era. Like, yeah. was the last gasp of it, we, yeah. George Bush was still president. I mean, this was very much a different time. And I do think there is a sense of like, yeah, this is a big hit for HBO. Uh, five million people, over like six million people, it's pretty good for them. Um, much bigger hit than like Watchmen, which like maybe was more talked about than his dark materials but was watched by like 10 times more people um it it is a huge hit for them but i'm just not hearing that same kind of backlash and no one seems to really mind it anymore and i don't know if it's like well we already fought that battle or if it's just like eh. or is it just that you know whenever the fox news and breitbart's pick a target like first man and the flag or whatever and then that's when we focus on something is it just like if you happen to be in their crossfires this week I don't know. I don't know what it is that really changed, but I do think there is something interesting about like you can have people like Ruth Wilson and James McAvoy be sinister, so you could still have these big actors who do care about their image, but they know that people don't react the same way of like, "Well, oh, you played a bad person. I don't want to see you on TV anymore." You know, like that just kind of has gone away. I feel like. All right, that was my rant. Sorry. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, I got it. James McAvoy, spoilers, get, kills a kid in this. You know, that's, that's a big, yeah. that's arguably a pretty big branding change, which brings up something else. I, I kind of want to talk just real quick about a couple, not, you know, this this movie, this adaptation is obviously so much more ballsy than the film, so I don't want to, you know, do it discredit that way. But there are a couple weird-ass choices that I just don't understand that seem like they were trying to keep the ratings down or something. Like, first off, when they... <laughs> Find, when Lyra finds the severed child in the book, I was just I will never forget the sheer horror and effectiveness of the fact that this kid who had a rat demon is like holding on to a dead rat. And it's to like convey just like how terrible this this like thing is. And I don't know why they didn't do that here. I was really because they 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 seem so concerned about, you know, explaining to us the bond between demon and human and how crucial it is, and that seemed like a really good moment of horror for me that they just backed away from maybe i don't know why because then they still have like the funeral and everything um, actually in the books he's holding on to a little piece of dried fish oh so, like, oh fish it's, jerky. it's a fish okay yeah, yeah it's a little fish and it's really sad and lyra immediately recognizes what that is for him he doesn't have his demon anymore so it's his replacement and then she they take him back to the egyptian encampment and they're preparing to bury him or build his funeral pyre. I don't remember exactly the, the funeral rites of the gypsums in the books. Um, I guess it is a funeral pyre because there is a whole scene in the in the series. But then Lyra can't find his fish. And she's like, guys, oh, he yeah. was holding on to this little piece of fish. Where is it? And all of the mm-hmm. um, the Egyptian men are standing around looking really ashamed. They're like, we, we didn't know what it was. We, we just thought it was like a piece of fish and we fed it to our dogs. And in the context of the book, it's, that's just so horrifying and visceral. And it's something that was... I agree with you. It was really, really missing from the series. Well, I, I ex- extending it out with the timeline there, I can see maybe why they cut it for time now. That makes me actually feel a little bit better about it. So mm. I'm, I'm glad you remember, reminded me of that um, and that it was a fish. That's just, it's even worse. Um, the I other know. thing that I thought of was 
there's a, some weird decisions around the bear fight, which for, for the record is still pretty good. It's a great spectacle. The bears just are top shelf. Just great bears throughout this side thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, if you want to see how far we've come in CGI, like this show costs maybe a half. I would imagine the original show and compare the bears and that, which looked good at the time, but like just compare the bears from that to this. And it's crazy. Yeah. It is absolutely crazy. I will say though, the bear fight in my opinion was so much better. One of the few things the film did better was the bear fight because first of all, the bears are wearing their armor, which makes more sense to me because they are, Panzerbjorn means armored bear. I was that is their so thing. confused by this. I went and yes. found, tried to find an explanation, and the I think the actor that voices Yorick said something about, well, we were trying to make it like a ritualistic moment so that they don't have their armor like sets it apart or something. I was just like, and you know what? Okay. If they had, no but if they had put a line about that in the show, it would have <laughs> even right. played For a better. Show that but is they explaining, didn't. Over explaining so much, I just think it's so weird that they made this decision and then didn't explain like it's just things but, like that I, and that's one of the cool I things i guarantee uh, you it was a compositing error yeah i guarantee it was a cgi yeah. error and they but that they was one it. of the things that made that whole scene in the book so cool was um king yofer has this very like gaudy ornate gold-plated armor um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it isn't as effective as the sky iron armor that Yornick Biernison, yeah. Yorick Biernison made himself that, you know, made by him to fit him. It is his soul. But then also, regardless of the armor, yes, yes the, 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 uh, the film took actually verbatim from the, the book, mm-hmm. how the fight goes and what happens is your and, 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 like in the in the TV show they the fight finishes and they they don't focus on the bears. Lyra's just cowering, and then one of the bears dies. Oh, I don't know which one. She turns around. Yorick's still alive. She gives him blood moss to heal his wounds. Whatever, he's better. But in the book and in the film, uh, Yorick pretends to get injured, and he's like limping, and he makes. Yofer the king feel all cocky and shit and then it and it reveals that Yofer has become so human and not like a bear anymore that Yorick can trick him and he tricks him into thinking he's injured and all of a sudden he knocks off Yofer Ragnarsson's jaw his tongue is yeah. just hanging out of his skull and then Yorick kills him and that movie. actually happened in the 2007 movie and yes graphics were not as good 12 years ago but for that time it looked good and it was gory and it was exactly what it was supposed to be <laughs> just want to take a moment yep. to appreciate that we all appreciate just the visceralness of that moment and it's just for some reason it's I, I, unabashedly enjoying it i don't know it's just uh, it's, it's just weird maybe that it's a bear fight instead of like humans like grievously injuring each other i don't know why i'm making it weird or whatever but like it's <laughs> it's 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 strange to me how important it was when i was like what, what why am i not seeing the bears what, I, what why where's the jaw where's the fucking You're- severed jaw like oh yeah like i just there was a strange moment for me <laughs> so like well yeah i i have to talk about the fact that uh uh, this is one of my favorite stories about my father, which is that, you know, I read these books and I was like, I think my dad, you know, I usually get my dad books that are like science books because he's a scientist. And so usually I get him like good nonfiction books that are kind of like 
N- not so they have some kind of interesting hook to them that aren't like so like you know dry and boring um but for one time i was like you know i, I reread the books as an adult i loved them even more as an you know like a, probably i was like 1920 something like that and i was like you know what i'm gonna get my dad these books i'm gonna buy him these books i know it's fantasy but i just know it, you know, it's all that stuff like i'm like you know put through with the first book but by the second and third it gets like mystical and religious and it's really interesting and so my dad is a quick reader, and I come back later, and I'm like, how'd you like it? And he's like, I love those talking polar bears. <laughs> great. I love those bears. I'm like, okay, surprising, but cool. Um, great. You know, but you're going to love that you get to that third book. And then I get to him, and he's like, by the second book, and he's like, not enough bears. <laughs> not enough polar bears. Where are the polar bears? And then I was like, really? And then, like, by the third book, he's like, Ugh, I miss the polar bear. I'm like, <laughs> what? That's what you wanted? I, uh, I get it. I get it. I think fine. I think for a lot of people, Golden yeah, Compass might be the best book, and that that is probably a big part of why it's the fucking. It's bears. got the most talking polar bears. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, what can you do? Yeah. For me, the amber spyglass is my favorite, but I just love where it, without spoilers, just where it goes in the idea yes, of same. religion and mythology and things like that it's very philosophical it makes you think and it's great um but yes and I, yes I, the, the polar bears are a great part of the first book no no disagreement whatsoever and another thing is like i hope they get like someone like sam esmel from mr robot or nora holly from like fargo Ooh. someone who's good at weird surrealism to do the later episodes because i need visually a little more flare well this this is the big thing i'm worried about and i'm i'm very open-minded to the rest of this totally invested want to see where it goes the second season was filmed at the same time as the first there's not going to be like a reaction really Mm -hmm. for not not that you know filmmakers or tv makers listen to criticism necessarily or anything like that but i i don't know i don't know why i'm worried hey they remade sonic they did. That's true. <laughs> but you have to be like really bad about something. And I don't think there's going to be any of that. You know? That's yeah. true. I don't think anybody is like mm, that. Also, remake all of the show. Also, the Sonic thing that we that the internet has that much power, frankly, scares me. <laughs> like I, after, I agree. After the end of Game of Thrones, particularly, I'm like, this isn't. I didn't actually want this. <laughs> right. Um, right. And uh, thankfully, I think Sonic is like. They can only fix Sonic. They cannot fix how bad the rest of that movie looks. So it's like I have to admit, the rest of the movie well, looks pretty good. I'm <laughs> just I'm a sucker for Jim Carrey. Really? I oh. would I would see it. I, no, not actually good, but just like I don't, I don't know. I would I would watch it. Maybe I, I don't know. I was never a big fan of I'm Sonic. Just... I saw the the Chili Dogs cartoon, which is just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah the, you watched the real bad. One. I did. I I watched, I watched that was okay. I watched the hell out of it. <laughs> Jeez, that is a wild show. That is a wild, wild show. It's crazy. There was two Sonic cartoons at the same time, and one was like a weird, horribly animated, like completely brain dead show. Another that was like trying to be like Avatar style, like it was like an ongoing story about Sonic fighting evil forces. I don't know which is more appropriate for Sonic. I honestly don't know. But they both exist at the same time and both have the same voice actor. Very strange. Oh, wow. I didn't know they That's even been shared a voice actor. That's, that's crazy. There's... Yeah, Jaleel White, who plays Urkel on uh, Family Matters. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. Wow, this is... That's your Sonic corner. I thought I knew all about this because I watched the same Nostalgic Critic video I'm sure that you're thinking of right now, but I did not, I did not yes. remember that. Yes. Yeah. Not that I wanted to invoke uh, the, the nameless, but yes. Um, the nameless. 
<laughs> the nameless. And I'm just I'm just trying to make it really golden compassy in here, I guess. Or really Hideo Kojimi. Um I don't know what else there's to talk about. Uh well actually I'm curious, Sarah, what do you think of the score by Lorne Balf? It um I don't I, I love the the theme music that plays during the credits. I think that's really Me good. Too. It's it's very mysterious yes. and it gets stuck in my head and it's great. Um but I, I don't really remember the score of the show, but in a sense that's good in that it sort of blended in with the scenery. Yeah. Um so I don't know, I'm on the fence. I as a musician, I love scores that are just like, this is all about the music. And it's awesome <laughs> and it's great. You know, I will always remember, you know, James Horner's score from The Land Before Time and Hans Zimmer's score from The Lion King and so forth. Um, but at the same time, at no point was I just like concentrating on the music and it being bad or something. I was just like, oh, this music, I, I you know, except for the theme, doesn't really have like a memorable melody, but it's it's adding to the scene rather than detracting from it. If that makes sense, so it it functioned as a score should, which is good. Excellent. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we wrap up? I feel like I was about to have something to say, and now I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, the song that Lee Scoresby sings is actually like a pop song. Like it's a real thing. Mm. I found the music video on YouTube, courtesy of uh reddit's his dark materials or r slash his dark materials or whatever um but it's like a real song and i never paid attention to see whether the band actually got credited for it (laughs) or Hmm. they're just like lin-manuel sing something and uh he never bothered to say that it's a real song interesting let me see if i can find the soundtrack uh, there's that for that but I also had that song stuck in my head for several days after the teaser trailer came out, which just with that opening scene of Lee and Hester in the balloon. I just like da 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 while I'm, you know, doing the dishes or something. Obviously you can't not have Lynn sing. That that is true, and I'm very glad that he did sing. I just hope that the song was credited as as it was due. Next year will be the, uh, I mean, the, the year of Lin-Manuel Miranda was obviously when, when Hamilton came out. Of course. This will be the new, the new year of Lin-Manuel. He's got this and he has uh, his first musical, In the Heights, getting into I'm being. so excited for that. I, I've actually, I've never seen it or even listened to the soundtrack, but it, I mean, it, it won a Tony, so it must be good, clearly. But also just, I, I was very, at the time, it was very important important and i'm sure it, it still is just for its its theme of being about like an inner city community and i'm really excited to see how that plays on screen oh wow this hmm, sorry apparently he's going to be in a movie next year also called simpre luis which is an immigrant from puerto rico is determined to bring the musical hamilton to his island home what as himself <laughs> interesting <laughs> All right. Meta. See if that yeah. comes out. <laughs> Fascinating. All right. Well, let's do scores. Oh, uh, Are we still on the uh, out of 10 system? 
Yes, okay. out of 10, you can do point fives if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. Overall, I do think they did a good job sticking very close to the story. You know, minor changes here and there. But I think it's a good example of just because you stick close to the story doesn't mean it totally works. I think sometimes you do have to kind of dig into what makes an adaptation different or special or unique and and i think it finally got there towards the end and i am confident in in season two being a little more dynamic i think it was just that first four episodes really were were tough but i do think it really picked up when we got to our our better characters and i'm really hopeful that uh we'll get a lot of will and lyra you know that's minor spoilers but uh, kind of expected um for season two and now that we're going to finally get them together that was kind of the the heart of the books for sure and i think um we're going to have a lot more hopping between things we're going to have a lot of different uh places to go we're going to really get into what this show uh, and ultimately the show will be about but obviously what the books are really really about which the first book only kind of hints at so i'm hopeful that we're going to get stuff i just want it to be a little more I don't know. I just kind of wanted to take hold of what it is a little more. I'm not sure what I'm quite asking for, which is kind of unfair, but uh, um, I guess just a little more magic and a little more like surrealist or or unique visuals or something needs to pop. And I'm not sure what that is. And unfortunately, that's just the, the, the way TV is sometimes, you know. But ultimately, it makes me sound like I'm more down this show, which I'm not. Obviously, the cast is really good. I love Daphne Keaton. I love James McAvoy. I love Ruth Wilson. I love Lynn Morelda. Um, they're all doing interesting takes on their characters. Um, a little different other than maybe James McAvoy is pretty similar to Daniel Craig, but he gets to be a little more of the sinister, strange version of Lord Azrael like you actually get in the books. Um, I'm very happy that they're sticking to the religion element more. I'm glad it's actually trying to delve into the themes, which makes me way more confident in the show. If that was not a, I think I would have given up on the show already because... Uh, if you're not even going to tackle that, then why even make the next two books for reasons? Um, yeah, so 7.5. I'm hopeful for the rest, and uh, I think it's a good show. I think it's worth checking out, and I think if if you're listening to this and you had tried it or weren't sure about it, I'd say just push through those first four episodes, get to Lin-Manuel Miranda, get to the Bears, get to episode eight. I think you're going you're gonna to enjoy it. So, uh, Sarah, what do you think? I actually do have one more thing. Would Go for does it. or doesn't have to be group discussion, but before I give my rating. So the episode where they're at Bullvanger and they put Lyra and Pan in in the books it's called the Silver Guillotine, but it's the um incision machine. And then Mrs. Coulter rushes in and shuts it down before they can cut them. And then they get out of the machine. And I understand that it must have been for budgetary reasons or maybe to focus more on the mother-daughter relationship between Mrs. Coulter and Lyra, but they get out of the machine and they don't just magnetically run to each other. Like they were, Lyra and Pan were about to be cut from each other forever and they're both just staring at Mrs. Coulter. And I feel that that was, for me, that was the biggest disservice that they could have done to this show. I think I mentioned earlier that I wish that there was more of a connection between humans and their demons. And certainly in the books, um, by that point in the golden compass, that was the biggest 
a moment of, oh God, oh God, Lyra's about to get cut from Pan. Oh God, oh God. And I don't feel that it had as much impact. Well, of course it, it didn't have as much impact in the show because they weren't like immediately... They, they they weren't suffering from that separation. They're just like, oh, okay, we're out now. Cool. And uh, if the show does not fix this problem that they seem to have, not only in that episode, but certainly most drastically in that episode, of um, portraying the strong relationship between human and demon, they're going to have a really big problem in season three, not to give away too many spoilers but there is a fairly critical plot point that hangs on that connection and it's just not gonna work so i was deeply disappointed with that episode however for this uh, can i can i yes yeah ben go ahead uh i i totally agree i just wanted to say that which is that like uh for me all the demon stuff was stuff i just wanted more of i think particularly the fact that they just tossed it off in a scroll makes me think that they were like, oh, we didn't really explain demons very well. Um, <laughs> and maybe a post-production thing that yeah. they weren't planning from the start or anything. Um, there's a scene in the books, which I love, where Lyra and Pan, I don't know if it's a flashback or it's actually currently at the present, but there's a point where she mentions that she and Pan like literally walk as far as they can from each other. Yeah. And like the pain it's a bit of like both. The actual... There's um when they go to see Yorick Bjornesson in um that town where they first meet him. Um, there's this whole thing of you know, Lyra realized what Pan was doing. He was going to pull, and he like he he changes into a badger, just something strong and stocky, and tries to yeah. get as far away from Lyra as he can, and it just hurts and it's terrible. And even just from that consensual moment of trying to get as far away from each other as they can maybe so lyra wouldn't have to be so close to the big scary bear or something i don't remember exactly the context Mm -hmm. but even from that they just rush back to each other and that even was so terrible for them to be so far from each other right and then that you know coming back when they were forcibly taken from each other they're just like oh whatever you know, we're, we're, we're not separated yeah. by this, like, metal grate anymore, but we, we're not going to touch each other and cuddle each other and, you know, say, never, yeah. never, this we'll never let this happen again, ever. Um, right. It just, right. it fell so flat. And, yeah, and I don't <clears> think a lot of people get that, like, how much, like, again, the whole thing of, like, to me like the 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 way that you could not have distance from this thing that your soul lived without you but it had to be always near you was so interesting and i don't think that particular element has been really well established in yeah. the show. that said in one of the i believe it was episode it was either episode two or episode three but when lord boreal kidnaps the reporter and they're in his car and he like grabs her demon and then crushes it and yes. kills her that played very well and that felt that very dirty and dark and raw and just like ooh, i hate you but from like a you know an, an outside observer standpoint it's like that was really fucking good like just it, oh, it felt, felt I, like I was, it should I'm, have i'm glad y'all brought that up because i i that was one of the scenes where i was like people cannot resist playing with this world building and mythology and this is a step too far for me where i'm just this this is a thing that makes me think about it too much it was like oh well if you have a small demon people can just kill you like that it's just like it's just a little a little too much for me but yeah i can see how like it is 
it was at least a very needed moment in terms of illustrating how powerful the bond between demons and humans are. So. Yeah. For sure. So it really disappoints me that their portrayal of that bond um, de-escalated over the course of the series rather sure. than increased. So that is probably the biggest problem I have with the show is the bond between human and demon. That said... I am very excited to see where they go with this in seasons to come. Um, I know, of course, they've already filmed season two. Have they been officially approved for a third season, or are they going to wait to see how season two plays? No, it's been approved, and and as um, Trevor said, they tried to they kind of rushed it before even the show came out because mainly they want to make sure Daphne Keen and. Uh, Armin Wilson, who plays Will Perry, mm-hmm. are going to be the same age. It's the Game of Thrones thing. As you remember, there was big Japs, and uh, particularly Bran mm-hmm. started looking real old yeah. <laughs> as the show went on. Mm-hmm. When it was only supposed to be a couple of year, a couple of months between, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks really. So I think they're trying to avoid that. And then, and they've I'm already aged remember- up Will and Lyra based on the actors who played them, which I get. Yeah. I think that was a good choice, but in the books, they're supposed to be like 11 and 12. Um, and they're clearly not in the show. But that's that's okay, as, lo- as long as they have an explanation for that in-universe, in it's going to work, and that's going to be fine. That's, that's something I'm very okay with, especially for events in the third book. Yes. I'll leave it at that. Yes. It's going to be fine. Um, so <laughs> on the series as a whole, I think I also give it a 7.5. Um, the, the human demon bond is the biggest detriment to the show, but the demons that are there look great. I don't even have a huge problem with there being so few demons because people do some people have smaller demons that will like hang out in their coat pockets or whatever to be less vulnerable less likely to get stepped on or crushed or whatever that's fine and uh, I think uh, Philip Pullman himself came in and himself and said something about this that you know the the focus of the story I mean demons are integral to this universe that is being presented of course but the story is still about the human characters who you know the demons aren't around doing things by themselves it's about the people and their demons are there too but it's not the main focus of the story so I mean yes it looks cooler when there's a whole lot of demons but I can get past that um the casting was very very good big surprises all around especially from Lin-Manuel and from Ruth Wilson um did I already say I was going to give it a 7.5? I got sidetracked. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. And um, I like the way they... I wasn't expecting it at all, but I like how they incorporated the prelude to the subtle knife in the first series, and I think it worked well, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Bring on season two. All right. Trevor. Um struggling with this a little bit because this is one of those shows where there I, I i appreciate uh you know what it is doing very much but in execution there are also moments that are uh, so bad or just not working well enough for me that i i almost enjoy it ironically and i if, if i find myself in a weird place wanting to recommend it uh it also does not help that the first i want to say three episodes are so plotting and uncomfortable and weird that 
uh, pacing wise, maybe just that and and overwritten. I think I don't think the show is like badly written. I think that would be kind of um, not so much a fair criticism as maybe overwritten. And and um, for me, just anything that has episodes that bad in it, like I, where I'm almost considering not finishing the rest of the show, is is hard for me to <laughs> recommend to anyone. Um, just in terms of the tone too, I think, um, and I don't know if that's to do with the direction or what, but there, there's a moment in Bolvanger where Mrs. Coulter and Lyra are just doing these primal screams at each other on either side of a door when she is locked into a room. And I just didn't roll my eyes, but I chuckled a little bit. And that is, it's kind of where the tone of the show leaves me is it is, it is saying something, it wants to be saying something very important. And I appreciate the, I think the messages in, you know, in the books and in the series, but it is con so convinced of that importance and so lacking in its execution to the point where I am just like a little bit laughing at it. But then by the end of it, yes, the, I, I agree. I don't know what it is about the last episode that is so good if it is just the spectacle of the, um, of the sky opening or just all the character stakes uh, which, uh, that are coming to fruition at that point that make it so good. But I want to keep watching it. I'm going to give it a seven. That is my, is my take. I absolutely agree with you about that screaming scene from either side of the door. I was actually laughing out loud. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. All right. Well, that means we give it a collective 7.5 for the first season of his Dark Materials. And supposedly there will be uh, only two more seasons. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it's been a really big hit, particularly in the UK. A pretty big hit in HBO, but it was the premiere was the biggest launch for a bbc original show ever so yeah i think wow. they'll definitely make at least three and i wouldn't be shocked if they spit out the last one into four because again as uh, trevor says people want that sweet sweet fantasy money um and you know what i'd be okay with that there is so much material in the third book i would not be mad if they at least made it a longer season if not maybe like two six episode seasons and I actually and, and, think that that this first season, what Trevor, you 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 called it overwritten, and I absolutely agree with you. I think it would have been better served as a six or seven episode season, and they had less yeah. exposition at the beginning. Once you hit episode four, it um, the pacing is pretty good, but you're right. Before that, it feels very drawn out. And well, the one thing I will say is that well, me and Sarah both. Pretty, I think you know maybe you and I talked about it or maybe it's my one of my previous partners but um, it was announced in 2015 that the show was going to be made and was that really long ago really but it finally came out this year so this has been something that has been kind of brewing for a long time so I don't want to say it was just like rushed out yeah. because Game of Thrones was ending it was something that was in the pipeline for a while now 2015 was dead in the middle of Game of Thrones very popularity so not to say it wasn't bought up and commission for that reason but bbc has definitely taken their time on this one i don't want to make it sound like yeah they've been sitting on like, this first what? season for a while haven't they like after it's been yeah because they yeah yeah they filmed they didn't start filming until last till 2018 oh okay um but they had been in pre-production and writing and scripting and everything and i think they had basically wanted to you know get it all finished and i, and I wouldn't be surprised also if the la belle sauvage and and hearing that he was going to do that, because I think LaBelle Sauvage came out in 2017 or 2016. Uh, um, yes, it was 17, I think. Or no? 
So it, I think it was either Rick seventeen Coleman. or eighteen because I remember I got the book, but I didn't actually read it until about a year later. And that's me with all books. Um, <laughs> yes, so I think it was a case of that probably also bled into it a bit. Uh, yeah, La Belle Sauvage came out October two thousand seventeen. So, I will say I, I've read on various internet forums that a. A third book, and I'm going to call it the second trilogy, but le- it, the whole second trilogy, as this is called His Dark Materials, the second trilogy is called The Book of Dust. The first one being La Belle Sauvage, which is a prequel to The Golden Compass. The second book being The Secret Commonwealth, which happens about not quite 10 years after The Amber Spyglass, but like Lyra's in college kind of a thing. And there is a promise for a third book, but from what I have read on internet forums such as Reddit, uh, Philip Pullman has not commenced very far in writing it. So we have some time to go before it is released, which makes me sad, but also take the time to do a good job rather than rushing out useless crap. Just finish it before you do it. Yes, please. And, 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 Sorry. <laughs> and particularly, I think, since like, La Belle Sauvage was the only one that was going to be a prequel, while well, the other two are going to be sequels to the His Not Materials, I think they were like, let's get that one out mm-hmm. and then incorporate that into our show, which they definitely have. So I wouldn't be surprised if Philip Pullman's like, hey, guys, just hold off for two years and we can add a little bit extra stuff into the, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe conclude right when the book comes out and we'll have two more series we, seasons we can make, possibly. Yes. Um, that could also be incentive let's not be you know if we get to the end of season three slash four and it's still very popular hey keep going i mean la belle Um, sauvage would definitely be a a good you know six six seven or eight episode series it's i feel like it could be done fairly quickly but uh, secret commonwealth is a dense tome and i loved it so much more than la belle sauvage maybe just because once again lyra was the main character when in la belle sauvage she's an infant uh so she's not nearly as interesting of course um but yeah secret commonwealth is great definitely and and you know what as if we're talking about his dark materials as a whole the series is great but i cannot stress enough go read the books like, if you have to pick one or the other, please, for the love yeah. of God, read the books. And then watch the series and enjoy it with criticism, as we have. Um, and then if you're feeling very brave and maybe a little drunk, watch the 2007 film. <laughs> it does seem like which, a... Unlike, uh... Sorry, Ben. Well, no, I'll just say, unlike uh, The Witcher, which I think the both the show and the video game is better than the books. Sorry, hmm. writer of The Witcher. Hmm. But I just don't think those are great... Uh... Good ideas. Very good ideas. I just don't think they come together. It does seem like his Dark Materials is just nigh on impossible to adapt to me, which is partly, I think, why I I gave this as much of a score as I did and why I am very interested to see how the hell they go forward with this. I really don't see, unless they they have more money than God, which admittedly they're HBO, they do, but it's going to have to be like entirely CGI. There's no way around it at all. (laughs) Yeah. There's a certain creature in book three that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, concept artist who has to figure that one out (laughs) and is sitting there reading this going, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And then Google's fan art and goes, the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So good luck. 
brave soul. All right, well, that will do it for the MGP discussion of his Dark Materials. Uh, thank you for letting us. Uh, we're glad you all stick with us when we talk TV. It's always interesting to delve into TV, especially because it's sometimes as big and as epic as film sometimes. And uh, we could also have talked about the other Tom Hooper program, Cats. And let me tell you, as someone who's seen Cats, you don't want to. <laughs> no one I, I want cats. to, but in when the full knowledge that I'm just going to be laughing hysterically and horrified here's, th- throughout. Here's what I'll say. If you want the experience of Cats, it's very simple. You go, you wait till it's on DVD. You don't pay for it, however that is. You get it, and you just watch up until you watch past the the first song with Rebel Wilson, which is the most horrifying. Oh, yeah. You got to get the experience (laughs) of the most horrifying CGI because there are mice with baby faces and cockroaches with women faces. No! It's nightmare-inducing. Oh, God, no. You got to see it. And then you jump ahead to Ian McKellen's song because he's adorable and he's a precious soul and he deserves better, but it's sweet. (laughs) And then you watch the weird ending and then you're done. Don't watch the rest. Skip the rest. The rest is not... Oh, Jason Derulo's song is very horny and it's kind of funny. Uh, Is is he Rum Tum Tugger? He's Rum Tum Tugger. And he sings about For context, Tim Curry played that in... um... One of the like in like the film the West End like they filmed it. I've watched it on DVD before, but it was a stage production that was filmed. There's yeah. no weird CGI. It's just people in cat leotards, which is fine and less scary than CGI cats with human faces. Mm-hmm. And cats is a horny show. I understand that, but when they're nightmare mutant cats, it's very it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So, and to tie uh, that in with his dark materials in the 2007 movie, more about great casting, Ian McKellen was York Burnison. That's true. It was that cool. I was like, cool. And Ian Gandalf McShane is a bear. Uh, Ian McShane was your fur. Was he really? Was the great. Battle of the Ians. Yes. It was the Battle of the Ians. Yes. So. I did not realize right. that, that Ian McShane was. was uh, the King Bear. They gave him a different name in the film because Yofer and York are admittedly very similar names. <laughs> they did the same Wasn't thing like... in Game of Thrones with uh, Asha and Osha and Yara. Uh, Wasn't he like Ralsum or Ragnar or something? Respetaz. Rumtum Tugger? Something like that? Anyways. Rumtum Tugger is a curious guy. say Rumtum Tugger one more time. I'm <laughs> I mean, do you want me to read the names of cats? No, 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 <laughs> I mean, no, no. I'll do no, it. If you if you <laughs> if you do it, you start like you start summoning them. Like, don't don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, this don't, this cat is say, Tyrion. He's he's just a lazy. Chunk. I like that cat. Like yes. If you say Buster for Jones three times into a mirror, James Corden comes and makes you <laughs> carpool. Like oh God, no. worse and furrier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for us yep. at MGP. I think we're well off the rails by this point. We are mostly on the rails. It's better than normal. Uh, thank you, Sarah and uh, Trevor, for coming on. It was very lovely to have you both on to talk this interesting show. Uh, as always, be sure to check out all of the MGP episodes on TuscanShed.com, where you can check out our other shows such as Animania, Geek Space Nine, uh, Feast for Bros, and many more. We have uh, lots of shows that you can check out um, where we talk about many, many a dorky thing. 
So thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us any way that you can. Definitely helps out the show. Uh, share this with anybody you know who listens to His Dark Materials because there wasn't that many podcasts covering it. I was kind of surprised for such a big show. Uh, I think Watchmen kind of ate up all the oxygen as it came out around the same time. So uh, definitely uh, uh, recommend us to, to folks who listen to uh, or watch that the show because uh, we want to hear from y'all what y'all thought about it is too. All right, well, that'll do it, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.